I, uh, my my uh, wife's family are from the Gold Coast, so we'll be up there in a few weeks' time. And uh, we go every every second year we go up to the Gold Coast. And uh, Sunday mornings uh, I, I go walking along the beach. And my father-in-law used to say to me, you, you know, you're just a professional Christian because you don't go to church on your holidays. Only when they pay you to go to church. So I'm walking along the beach uh, there and it's like traffic jam both ways. People all over the place. And um, I come across these groups of kids being sort of gathered together in groups and they're being taught how to sort of hop on a surfboard and how to do mouth to mouth and how to rescue someone out of the surf. They're just little primary school age kids, how to sort of survive themselves in the surf. And they're the little nippers. And um, I went, went to thinking about surf life saving, training to be surf life savers. And uh, I thought to myself, where did, these, where did this institution come from? Because every 500 metres along the beach on the Gold Coast is um, uh, a surf life-saving point with the flags. And I tell my kids down in Victoria, I, every time when they were young, every time they go in swimming, guys, how many people have died between the flags in the last 100 years? And they would tell me, none, you know, in Victoria. And uh, so it's an incredible institution that's uh, popped up all around Australia, every 500 metres on the Gold Coast. And so I hopped on the web. And do you know, in 1902, it was illegal to swim during daylight hours on an Australian beach. They could find you. I don't know if they put you in prison or not. And the Alan Birch of 1902 was William Gotcha. And he decided, I'm going to go swimming. And so in he went. And everybody else sort of thought, oh, this is a good idea, and others stuff. So they had to change the law. So 1903, you know, a great moment in our history, they changed the law. And you're allowed to swim during the day if uh, the men swim over on that beach and the women can swim over on that beach and the men have to have these certain suits on and the women have to have actual dresses on in order to go swimming, but the law was changed. Well, pretty soon people started sort of getting in trouble, some people started drowning, and uh, we had a problem on our hands. And so good swimmers would get together, and they would do things like, you know, to rescue people, let's join hands and make a chain out to the person and rescue them all. Let's put on these sort of uh, heavy belts and brass things and go swimming out and... Occasionally they would get into trouble because of you know trying to experiment what and somebody came up, why don't we grab a whaling boat? You know, and go out and rescue them in the whaling boat. Everybody remember the old uh, surf life saving boats? They're whaling boats. And um, so the world's first surf life saving movement was born in Australia. And today there's about seventy thousand of them. Uh, it's one of the largest volunteer organizations in the world. And you can you say if you're between the flags, pretty much anywhere in Australia. So here's a group of people who gather together to change the world. Why don't you share in, uh, on your tables, we've come up with two or three or four other examples of groups of people who change the world, for good or evil or neutral in your lifetime. What are some of the movements you can think of, people who have changed the world? words that describe people who change the world? Dreamers. Dreamers. Okay. What else? Influential. Yep. What else? Fed up. Fed up. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's a good one. 
They're dissatisfied. Yeah. Desperate. Yes. Fed up and desperate, implying they actually want to do something. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. They, uh, they've had a vision, they're united in it, and they applied it in a real life setting. Great. So we're all aware of the different movements in our lifetime and before that have, have shaped who we are and what the culture's like, what the church is like. Our main focus uh, just in, in these... Oh, well, let's do metaphors first. Some examples, some metaphors or images that describe what a movement's like. Define it for you. But uh, they're like viruses. Anybody read The Idea Virus by Seth Gooden? Just find it on the web. It's a free download. But uh, ideas and movements spread like viruses from person to person. There's a, there's a sort of a... You know, they just come from nowhere. And uh, somehow, and we'll talk a bit about how they follow relational webs and they're contagious. Uh, so a movement's a bit like a virus. It's a bit like a bushfire. You know, you get a spark here, a spark there, the right conditions, and poof, we have uh, a, a major shift occurring in the culture of the new church. Uh, they're like a river, in the sense of, um, uh, they, someone said they have a vision, they have a very clear purpose, but you think about it, the river's purpose is to get to the ocean, from the mountains to the ocean. But you think about, how does it get there? It doesn't have like a detailed plan, I mean... If we wanted to do it, if we'd done it instead of God, we would have just sort of, you know, like, built the concrete channel and the river would just go straight there. To, but it, a, a river sort of finds its way around obstacles, but it, it doesn't let go of its purpose. I'm going to get to the ocean one way. If I'm going to go over rocks or under rocks or around trees or whatever, we're going to get there. Movements are like that. They're very clear about who they are and where they're going. But they're very flexible about how they get there uh, and unrelenting. So um, we're going to look. Uh, look, a movement is any group of people that are committed together for, to implement change. That's sort of a, a grab all, you know, and often um, it's against opposition, um, it's against the status quo. Sometimes movements are there to prevent change. Uh, so they're either trying to implement or change or stop it happening, stopping change that they don't like. Um, let's have a look at movements that have shaped uh, the, the, um, the renewal and expansion of the church. So how do we see this dynamic um, in the life of the church? Over history, I'm going to pull out a bit of history. Movements divine, called together by God, dedicated to pursue individual and corporate transformation resulting in the renewal and expansion of the church in its mission. So you've got a group of people. You don't have a movement for the renewal and, and expansion of the church unless there's a group of people who are committed to a cause and to one another. And, uh, but the most dynamic movements, it's not just about change out there. Often they begin with change in here. And sometimes they're a little bit weird about all of that. You know, it's sort of a messy process. But uh, it's not just about corporate transformation, transformation of the church, transformation of the world. There's something has touched them personally and uh, resulting in the renewal and expansion of the church and its mission. So there are all sorts of other movements, but my main focus and passion is movements, Christian movements that result in the renewal and the expansion of the church in its mission. 
So what does it look like when that happens? Someone's already mentioned it. We have holy discontent. People are upset, they're dissatisfied. Isn't it nice to be able to come along to a conference and finally someone can tell you it's alright to be really cheesed off. It's really good to be agitated. Was Jesus agitated or not? I mean, was he agitated? Yes or no? I mean, that's not a trick question. He was agitated. And you don't get changed without agitation. It's like I go to the doctors, my mum said, uh, you know, you're 40 years old now. This happened quite a while ago. Said, you've got to go to the doctors and get all these blood. You know how your mum still looks after you after all these years, you know? It's funny, Steve said, he said, you've got to call me Stephen because my mum will be upset. And she always called me. And I said to Steve, you've got to call me Steve because my mum wants me to be called Stephen. And so somehow our mothers, long way out, are still influencing us. How did I get onto that? It wasn't. Anyway, go to the doctors. So I go to the doctors, and all of a sudden he's looking at me and saying, well, your cholesterol levels are like three times the norm, so you can either start taking these tablets and change your diet, or you can die in the next ten years. What would you like to do? And all of a sudden the level of discontent has risen within me. And... Um, and I'm, I'm open to change. A little bit of exercise, a bit of medication, and, and regular checkups. Thank you, Mum. So there's got to be discontent. You don't get change in the world without discontent. Was it the Marxist who had the slogan, Rub Raw the Sores of Discontent? Rub Raw the Sores of Discontent. That sounds awful, but that's what it takes to change the world. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put that in my book and claim it as mine. I'm sure I can find the source. Come on. Next thing, though, you've got to have a godly vision. And it's fine. You know, I've been around long enough now. There's always going to be discontent. And, uh, you know, some people live on discontent. Because the great thing out is the problems out there with other people, you know, with the institution or whatever. The real challenge is have we got a vision of a different world? And, uh, Look, if we had time, we'd listen again to Martin Luther's I Have a Dream speech. The guy is discontent, but he is casting an enduring, worthwhile, inspiring vision of a different world. Okay? So we've got to move. We can't camp in discontent. You're going to end up in cynicism if you do. Feel alright for a while, but in the end, you know, you don't change anything. And then the last thing you need. A radical means. Radical in the sense of let's get to the root or the heart or the basics again. And uh, like Martin Luther King did, even if it's just we're going to boycott the segregated schools or we're going to sit in the room, you know, we're going to get, we have a strategy to get back to the heart of who we should be as a nation. And so they have an action plan. They do something. You think about it. Jesus was discontent, he had a vision of the kingdom, and he went out and he did something. He saw transformed lives. That's what, this is the kingdom. You know, it's, it's people in need being touched by the love and the truth of God and their lives are being transformed. That's what a movement is. It's not, it actually isn't all that complicated. It's so easy, it's just not complicated. That's what the process of